What's up? This is Rayshon Jenkins, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. All right, guys, we're doing this every week on Chargers Weekly leading up to the draft. Get you an analyst on to talk all things 2020 NFL Draft. Today, Luke Easterling of USA Today's Draft Wire joins me. Luke, it's always a pleasure, man. How you doing? Hey, doing great, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, we did this last year, had a lot of fun, some different circumstances this year. How has it changed your preparation, Luke, knowing that the pro days canceled? Uh, a lot of guys who maybe separate themselves during days like that, they just don't get that opportunity. Yeah, you know, it, it probably hasn't changed my preparation as much as it has for the actual teams and the players. And I think, you know, this really hurts teams in a certain way but really those players who are who are on the bubble who either you know were not invited to the combine or you know ran a time or had some drills that maybe they didn't like you know you always look forward to the pro day to to kind of move that needle back in the direction that you want it to go you run faster you usually perform better if you're a quarterback or receiver you're working with guys that you played with on Saturdays usually so there's a comfort level and a chemistry there it just makes you look better and you feel better uh and and for those small school guys in particular or guys that maybe you know were injured and recovering during the combine and now they're healthy enough to work out for teams it's a huge problem for those guys because they're not going to have that opportunity. We're not going to have guys like if you remember Kevin Byard a few years back, you know, wasn't invited to the combine, blew up his pro day and ended up being the first pick of the third round in the draft. It's going to be really hard for guys like that to to make a name for themselves without those workouts. So the teams are struggling with, you know, the having to rely on technology for the interviews and things like that. You can't get physicals on these guys and, and the medicals are, are obviously a huge part of this puzzle. There's going to be so many challenges on both sides of this uh, that are going to make this obviously the most unique draft that I've ever experienced in 20 years of doing this. What do you think it's going to look like on, on draft day with these teams and these coaches and general managers at home, probably on some sort of zoom or, or some sort of video conferencing the functionality of that, to, to call teams to perhaps make a trade or a proposed trade or, or trade up, trade down. How do you think that's going to look? Is it wrong to think that I'm, I'm afraid it'll look like when you try to help your grandparents set up their, you know, cable box or something like that, where it's just it's good. You're going to have, you know, I'll be down here in Tampa and I'll have Bruce Arians throwing things at his computer and Christine, his wife over there, just trying to explain it to him. And, and, you know, we're on the clock. We got to make a deal. We got to, you know, call them back, get them back on the, you know, pressing buttons. I hope they can figure it all out. I know that the teams, you know, they've voiced some concerns about cybersecurity in terms of, uh, you know, you know, privileged information. It's going to be a very, very unique process. And, and to say that I know what to expect, I don't even think the league or the teams really know what to expect. And they're really just doing the best they can. I don't think it'll be, you know, without its hiccups here and there. But I do know that at the heart of all of these changes and the heart of all of these restrictions is the fact that they're trying to do the best they can to keep people safe to take care of people in this kind of very strange time that we're, that we're experiencing. And I think as long as you're doing that, even if we look back on this you know, period of time, this particular draft and say, wow, that was crazy. Some things went wrong, but at the end of the day, we did the best we could with, with you know, some perspective in terms of uh, you know, what's really important. I, I think that people will have a lot fewer regrets when we remember that. Yeah. There's nothing but good intentions behind all of this. We're trying to keep everybody safe and, and do this in an efficient manner in an effort to keep things kind of moving along. Um, I, I want to start with your mock draft, your latest three round mock draft. You have the chargers at number six overall selecting Tua Tunga Vailoa. What went into that decision, Luke? And, and what do you think Tua 
would bring to this Chargers offense with a lot of weapons. Yeah, I think it would be a fantastic scenario, and I wouldn't put it past the Chargers, honestly, to be interested in moving up uh, ahead of the Dolphins at number five to, to make sure they get him. I think the Chargers would be a fantastic spot for a quarterback who, you know, there's no doubt about his ability, his potential, does have some questions. And, and again, we talked about how unique this particular draft process is going to be. What if you're a guy like Tua who had a, you know, a horrific injury to end your 2019 season and you're basically just going to have to do the best you can to convince these teams that you're healthy, you're working out, you're going to make the videos and post them and send them, you know, do the best you can to convince these teams that, that you're not uh, a health risk, a durability risk. Uh, because obviously he's a top five prospect in this draft at full strength. Uh, but those injury questions are going to be something he's got to deal with. And when you talk about a team like the Chargers, they're already in a perfect spot to sit a quarterback for a season with Tyrod Taylor already, you know, there as, as a perfect bridge option, something he's done before. Uh, and an embro- a role that at his, this point in his career, he's a veteran, he's a smart guy. He embraces that and knows what comes with it. Uh, I think the Chargers would be, would be a perfect place uh, for a guy who, you know, wouldn't hurt for interest on the West Coast, being from, you know, the islands in that area. Uh, I think it would be a welcome uh, place for him to play, for him and his family. His family is obviously very close to him and very involved in, in his football activities and all those decisions. So I think it would be a huge win-win for both sides. I think the Chargers would be a great place for him to sit make sure he's healthy that first year and get acclimated to the pro game and then let him loose it in, in his second season, similar to what we saw uh, with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city. And like you said, there's plenty of weapons there. Uh, I think they fortify the offensive line a little bit, but there's, there's plenty in place to make sure that Tua would be successful down the road. And if we, if we were talking eight, 10 months ago, this was the, the slam dunk number one overall pick going into the, the college football season. How close is the talent gap between Joe Burrow, Tua, uh, Herbert, and if you want, maybe throw Jordan Love in that mix? Yeah, I think that the gap is much closer uh, between the first two than the next two. Um, Those three at the top that you mentioned with Herbert and and Joe Burrow in there with Tua are the only three first-round grades I have on quarterbacks this year. It's not that I don't understand the – why people are enamored with Jordan Love. I, I kind of compare him to Josh Allen a couple of years ago uh, in Buffalo, coming out of a, a Mountain West school, not a great supporting cast. You see the flashes here and there. You see the talent, just a raw guy that it's going to take some time. So it won't surprise me if a team takes him in the top 15. Uh, he's just a guy that I would feel more comfortable with on day two. You got to have a plan for that guy. A team like the Chargers, like we said earlier, a team that could have a, a veteran starter entrenched and allow a guy like Jordan Love uh, to learn from him. Uh, but he's a second-round guy to me. Joe Burrow's number two overall on my board behind Chase Young, the, the defensive end from Ohio State. Uh, and then I've got Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from, uh, from Clemson. And then Tua is right behind him at number four. So there's a close gap there. Uh, Justin Herbert sneaks into my top 15 overall. So he's there. It's just, you know, there's a sizable gap, I think, in terms of being a top elite quarterback prospect in this class. I think there's two of those in Joe Burrow and two of Tungvaloa. And I think Justin Herbert is is polished. He's pro-ready, came back for another year at Oregon and, and made the most of it, really refined his game, was the Rose Bowl MVP. He's he's as pro-ready as any quarterback in this draft. He's very experienced. Uh, and I think he, he will take less time, much less time, if you're talking about comparing him with Jordan Love. He's much more ready to be an immediate starter at the next level. Let's say, just for the sake of this conversation, that the Chargers do not select a quarterback at number six overall. Let, let's say something else happens. Maybe they move up into the first to get a guy they like, or or they wait and they sit pat. Um, 
who are your favorite players that would make sense for the Chargers at number six? You mentioned Isaiah Simmons, a guy like Jeffrey Akuda, who knows, could be available. And then you have a, a lot of potential left tackle prospects that could be mainstays on that O-line for a long time. Yeah, you said it. I think Isaiah Simmons would probably top that list for me just because I think he's such a rare playmaker. You got, you know, 6'4", 230 plus, and he can run sub 4'4". I mean, that's just ridiculous athleticism. And, you know, I know that some people may be worried about, you know, whether he's a tweener. I think some people look at a versatile guy and wonder, where can I play him? I kind of look at a guy like that and say, where can't I play him? He can play anywhere and anything. And I think when you have a versatile weapon like that, if, if your scheme, your defense – can't find a place for that guy you probably need a new defense and a new scheme because he's just that big of a playmaker you, you should be able to find a way where he can make an impact like he did on Saturdays for the Clemson Tigers uh, and I think after that like you like you said the, the offensive tackle position has to come into play um, you know Russell Okung is gone via trade I like Trey Turner a lot I think that's a great move for them in terms of the interior and solidifies that but it definitely leaves you needing a, a left tackle and and what a fantastic position and a fantastic draft class for the chargers to need one because if if we don't see one go at number four to the giants which again is another spot we could see isaiah simmons we could see jeff okuda who i really don't see falling out of the top five especially if detroit even if they moved down with miami they'd still be taking him at five i think um but we could see you know, the Chargers at six with all of those left tackles still on the board. Four of them I have, I believe, in my top 11 overall prospects in this draft. So you're talking about wow. four guys that could be legitimate top 10 picks. Uh, to have your pick of them would be fantastic. And you got, you know, a couple in in Andrew Thomas uh, and Tristan Wirfs, who I think would be immediate left tackle starters. You got guys like Jed Wills and Mikai Becton, both, you know, experienced on the right side as well. You, you, really, there's, there's something for everybody in those top four. Uh, and I think if if quarterback isn't the focus for the Chargers, uh, it, it, they really won't have any shortage of other options at some key need positions. So I think they really can't lose with that pick. You know, Luke, going back to your latest mock, at, at 37 overall, speaking of uh, offensive linemen, you have Ezra Cleveland of Boise State going to the Bolts. Uh, why does Ezra make sense there in your latest mock draft? You know, it, 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 there, there's a lot of tackles that I think could be available in that range, and I think there are probably three or four guys that if they're on the board – whichever one fits best I think would be great if the Chargers don't take one at six like we said um, in that scenario Ezra Cleveland was the best one on the board at the time and, and I felt like he was close enough to that range where it made sense in terms of value he's a really nasty really tough guy we we did a, an interview with him uh, at DraftWire and we asked him you know what, what's your favorite way to get in your opponent's head what's your favorite way to kind of demoralize your opponent he said that him and one of his teammates uh, had a tradition where every time they'd pancake a guy if they had a, a towel on, that, on their person, they would steal the towel, stuff it into their own uniform, and then hang it on the wall in the locker room afterwards. And he said he had quite a few towels uh, by the end of the season. So that, that's the kind of guy I want up front, man. That's the kind of guy I want on the offensive line, a nasty dude who's going to put you in the ground, steal your towel, and tell a story about it. You want that nastiness. I love it. Ezra Cleveland, Absolutely. He, he's going to make some offensive line happy in the NFL, right? Absolutely. All right, third round, you have a, a Jordan Brooks, linebacker of Texas Tech, uh, a Texas Tech guy similar to, to the head coach, Anthony Lynn. Uh, what do you like about Jordan Brooks? Very productive as a Red Raider. Very productive. Another guy that, again, we got to spend some time with one-on-one -on -one throughout this process. He's big. He's physical. He's athletic. Uh, a very vocal leader on that on that defense at Texas Tech. And, and this linebacker class is kind of strange where I think there's going to be 
you know, a few guys that go really early. We talked about Simmons, if you consider him a linebacker. And then we've got Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, Patrick Queen from LSU, who was one of the real late risers in this process. Didn't start the whole season for LSU, but really had a strong finish, particularly in the playoff games. I could see all three of those guys going in the, th- in the first round. But after that, I think there's either a huge gap between, you know, those three and the next tier of guys, or we'll see, you know, any number of the next four or five guys worthy of being the next guy off the board. And, and I know the scenario kind of fell differently in my mock where a couple of guys came off the board before Jordan Brooks, but wouldn't be surprised to see him be a, t- a second round pick. There's a lot of teams, particularly on the back half of the second round, who could use a player like him. If he happens to slide to that early third round range where the Chargers are sitting, I think he'd be a great fit for that defense. He's a, he's a three-down player. He can do it all. Uh, and again, anytime you get a vocal, experienced leader who's been very productive with a Power 5 conference, uh, that's a big addition to any defense. Luke, you, you've evaluated so many of, of these prospects. Who are a few of your favorites? They don't have to necessarily be top 10 guys, but, but, but guys that you've really kind of taken to by watching the tape. Yeah, those are always, you know, there's always a handful, right? You find your guys throughout this process and you, you kind of look around and, and wonder, you know, am I crazy? Is, is everybody not on this train? Um, Isaiah Wilson, if you're talking offensive tackles, we have. Uh, he was the right tackle to Andrew Thomas at Georgia. Uh, just another physical, really nasty guy, particularly in the run game. If he gets his hands on you, it's done. You know, you're, you're done and you're not getting around him. You, people have to beat him with speed early. And if they don't, they, got, they have a really tough time disengaging just because he's so big. His arms are so long. And I just I like guys that finish plays very strongly. And he's a guy that I think offensive line coaches in particular are really going to fall in love with because he's got that mean streak. Um, if you're looking for, for playmakers on offense, we saw what the San Francisco 49ers were able to do with a guy like Debo Samuel, his versatility, getting the ball not only in the passing game, but finding creative ways to get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and let him work. There's a very versatile guy out of Memphis, Antonio Gibson, who played both wide receiver and running back uh, at times for Memphis. And I mean, he, I think he averaged something like over eight yards per touch period, carries, runs, uh, receptions. He was scoring touchdowns almost, you know, every few touches. Uh, and he's just a guy who's electrifying. He can be an immediate upgrade in the return game for anybody. And he's just a dangerous player uh, no matter where you put him. There's a couple of uh, small school guys in this draft that I really, really like. Ben Barch, he's an offensive lineman out of St. John's, uh, a D3 school, I believe, in Minnesota. Uh, went to the Senior Bowl. Uh, and obviously proved himself against guys from Alabama, Ohio State, uh, can play guard, can play tackle. Um, a couple of safeties, two of the top five safeties in this draft, in my opinion, come from Lenore Ryan and Kyle Duggar yeah. and Southern Illinois and Jeremy Chin. And again, we talked about Isaiah Simmons earlier and how he is kind of that saber, you know, safety linebacker hybrid because of his size and athleticism. Both Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin have the same type of frame, not quite as big, same type of athleticism, but not quite to that level of Simmons. Could be very similar players that you can get on the second day of the draft uh, and small school guys that absolutely should have been playing uh, for much bigger schools on Saturday. Luke, how deep is this draft, you know, position by position? I feel like every time I talk to somebody, we talk about the wide receiver position a lot, but it seems like there are multiple position groups where there is just, there's no shortage of talent. Um, You know, in comparison to other years, you've been doing it for 20 years, as you said. Um, How deep is this draft compared to other years you've covered it? I like this class a lot, man. I I think that 
particularly, like you said, with the receiver class, we've, we've known it was going to be deep for a long time, but I personally was surprised at how deep this offensive line class ended up being both in terms of tackle and in terms of the interior guys. Now I, I only have one first round grade on an interior guy. That's Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan. He's only 20 years old, which I think I mean, he's got a huge future ahead of him. He's a top 20 player in this draft, in my opinion, but I like a lot of day two guys in, in the interior as well. A lot of guards, a lot of versatile guys who can play guard and tackle. Um, there's probably 10 or 15 guys that I'd be perfectly comfortable taking in the second or third round. If you need an interior offensive lineman, I feel like it's a little leaner. If you need an interior defensive lineman, I think there's a huge gap between maybe the top five or six guys and the rest of the group. Um, linebacker, like I said, is really thin. I could see three guys go in the first round and I wouldn't be surprised if nobody went in the second round and we saw the third round kind of finally get to those guys. Um, I really like the secondary this year. Like I said, you know, five or six safeties. I really like the corners are really deep and not just deep at corner, but deep with a bunch of different types of guys. You've got, obviously, you know, every team wants the big long corners who have size and length and athleticism and they can do everything and be physical at the line. But if you don't have those guys, there's Jeff Gladney from TCU, who's a smaller guy, but an absolute beast in terms of being physical at the line of scrimmage. We interviewed a receiver just the other day. I can't remember who it was, but he said that he was the toughest corner he faced all year, and he was the best one in this class, you know, including Jeff Okuda. So um, you got guys like that. You got guys like Amik Robertson. He's a corner out of Louisiana Tech who's smaller, but is the is the prototypical nickel corner, which in today's NFL is, is much more of a starting position than your third linebacker. So, you know, teams are finding out that it's it's not necessarily about finding that top prospect in a vacuum across all 32 teams. It's finding those guys that fit exactly what your team needs at a particular position in your particular scheme. And particularly at corner this year, I think there's a lot of guys uh, who can fit that. And you're going to find quality starters for a lot of teams well into the third or fourth round. Some great insight, man. I want to end with this. We just went over your, your latest mock draft, your three round mock. Let's change it a little bit. Uh, the perfect draft for the chargers rounds one to three if everything fell their way uh what do you see that looking like if you're the chargers at number six number 37 and number 71 overall you know at six i think the easy answer is quarterback but you know it is that exactly what they want to do is that where they want to go if it is you know the perfect scenario is that the Dolphins don't take their guy at either five or three or whether they move up. And if they're more comfortable with Tua over Herbert or vice versa, obviously you hope that, you know, the, the Dolphins take the other guy without you having to make that move up because they do have a lot of needs on this team. And I don't think they could really afford to make a move up the board without kind of selling too much and, and mortgaging too much for the future. If either Herbert or Tua is there at six, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. If it's not quarterback, if they're fine with Tyrod for now, maybe they're punting on that position. They're looking to next year where you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Justin Fields. Maybe that's their plan. Um, I think it's what we talked about earlier in terms of offensive tackle. Seeing no offensive tackles coming off the board before number six would be huge. They would get their pick uh, of, like I said, four different guys who would all be worthy of that selection. Um, so I think that that's at six. You know, Isaiah Simmons is kind of the wild card there. If he's there on the board, I, I don't see any problem taking him either, especially if they don't want to go quarterback. Um, and then it becomes, at, you know, in the second round, what did you not accomplish at number six? 
If you went quarterback at number six, I think offensive tackle is absolutely what you have to do. And like I said, there's, you know, Ezra Cleveland makes sense there, but I think the guy I would really want if I were them uh, is, you know, another LA guy in Austin Jackson from USC. I think he's a guy that could easily go in the first round because of his potential and his physical tools. Also very inconsistent player, still kind of raw though. And I could see some teams going, eh, I need a guy who's going to play closer to right away. If they're able to luck into him early in the second round and be comfortable with the fact that he's going to take some lumps early on, uh, but eventually turn into a really, really good left tackle. I think that'd be a huge win for them. Uh, and then I think it, in the third round, like I said, if we see none of those inside linebackers go in the second round because of that huge gap in this class, if you're seeing not only guys like Jordan Brooks that I mentioned, but uh, another, you know, smaller school guy, Appalachian State's not a real small program anymore, but uh, Akeem Davis Gaither uh, is a really athletic, somewhat undersized, a bit different of a player than Jordan Brooks in terms of his size, uh, but a really athletic linebacker that if he's there that late, another guy that had a really good week at the Senior Bowl, um, if he's still on the board because teams are not quite sure what they want to do with the rest of this linebacker class, those three, you know, it's a few different scenarios I gave you there, so I don't really know if it's a perfect draft one way or the other, but there's a lot of ways that the Bolts can come away with a really, really perfect scenario depending on how the board falls. It could go a bunch of different ways, and they could still really have a perfect draft. Well, that, I think that's what's encouraging about that answer is that you can – there's a lot of different avenues you can go and still come away and be like, wow, we, we really did what we were supposed to do here in the 2020 NFL draft. Luke Easterling, USA Today's draft wire. Uh, what can we do to follow you over the next couple of weeks? I know you're going to be a busy man. Yeah, I try to keep it simple on social media. It's just my name on Twitter at Luke Easterling. Uh, follow us at the draft wire. Also, we've got uh, mock drafts. Uh, we've got, like I said, we've done exclusive interviews with almost a hundred top prospects. We just posted one today with Tristan Wirfs, the, the offensive tackle from Iowa. Uh, we're going to have uh, Kayla Von Chase on from LSU later this week. Uh, Denzel Mims from Baylor. Like I said, almost a hundred guys that we've talked to already. Um, we have over 150 scouting reports on the top 150 uh, prospects in this class. Um, you know, we've got all the news, all the rankings. I'm finishing up my rankings now. So my overall board, the top 300 will be out uh, within the next week or so. Um, so really, you know, no matter what you need, we've got you covered at the draft wire. And again, come find us on social media and let's talk some football. Luke, I love it, man. It's always great catching up this time of year and uh, wish you the best over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. Hey, same to you, Chris. Thanks so much.